Support for the Rink Rat Report podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code RINKRAT. That is R-I-N-K-R-A-T. All one word at manscaped.com. That is R-I-N-K-R-A-T at manscaped.com. If that's if my math is correct, that's about 16 million balls. The Rink Rat Report podcast is also brought to you by Boston Pizza's new playoff menu developed using Fanalytics. BP has run the numbers to craft the perfect playoff menu, which includes our winged ribs, the new league leader in wings above replacement. Visit BP for puck drop tonight. Are we recording? Yes, sir. Welcome, everyone, to the Rink Rat Report podcast. We're recording this after Game 3, a big Leafs win, as always, joined by Jason. How's it going? Living, breathing, you know. Um, how are we, how we We're going to go through this. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about this one. I mean, this is a game usually you see the Leafs lose. I meant to look up the record for the Leafs, uh, or how many times they've been outshot and won a game in the playoffs over the last... I guess seven playoffs now because this feels like maybe the first or second time. I think there was a couple in Boston where Frederick Anderson stole some, um, maybe one with Jack Campbell here and there, but typically, you know, the Leafs, we see it on the other end where the goalie steals a game, you know, Carey Price, uh, Tuka Rask, we've seen it, uh, and Andre Vasilevsky, obviously, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, and a bit of a different feeling this morning. Absolutely, a complete 180 to what we felt last season, last playoffs in mm-hmm. Game Six, right? Where almost like the, the Game the, Six OT, oh yeah, my the, God. the 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 game kind of played out similar notes, except opposite script, I guess. Uh, like T- Tampa went up half halfway through. Uh, I guess yeah, in Game Six, at least went up halfway halfway through. Tampa scoring in the dying minutes to tie it up. We did the same thing. Us like in game six, the Leafs have an onslaught of offense. Game game three here, Tampa onslaught of offense. I think they had like 10, 11, 12 shots uh, before we even. I think we had it was yeah. like 10 to one at one point in, in overtime. Uh, and then just somehow we found, found a way to close found it out. Kind of a not a fluke, but like a not a nice goal, kind of a shitty goal going in through a screen. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that is very true. Um, we'll get into the overtime. We'll get into more details of that. Um, we did have some major points to touch on. In I guess we'll go into the first one. Like who who did you think played well in this game? I think there's only three players that played well. Um, and that was Nice. I thought Nice played well. I thought Luke Shen played well. Mm-hmm. And I thought Samsonov after playing, I after I called for him to get yanked after the first period because he looked. He looked Terrible. atrocious tracking the puck in the first period. Even you, even you said that like he couldn't. He couldn't track the puck. Could he, if it was a beach ball, he couldn't find it. Like just couldn't. Like, like there was two goals, and then like there were three or four point shots where the shot went by him, and then and he you saw the head snap. Yeah, and it's like, dude, you didn't see that one also. Yeah, like, I understand it's the NHL. It's tough to track pucks through through screens, but when you're missing like three or four, it's really not instilling a lot of confidence. Uh, in in anyone that you're going to stop many more, but it, oh my god, did he settle it? I've never seen a goalie do that in the yeah. playoffs. Good and good for him yeah. too, because like it, that's such a hard thing to do. And like 
on the I, road too. Exactly. And he know he knows he played like shit in that first period. He's not like he's not an idiot. Like he knows that he shouldn't be tracked. He should be able to track these bucks. He knows that he should be able to be uh making these saves. And he just dialed in in the second period and I guess woke up and literally helped us win a game. I've been asking for this for many years now. Um I've asked us to I, I said this in, in our preview. I want if we're gonna win this series, we need one game where we walk away and we're like I don't, I don't know if we should have won that one, but we did. And, and it was part, 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 in part due to our goaltending. And that's what happened. That is what happened last night. Yeah. I mean, last year, I don't think there was, I think all, all three of the Leafs wins were very deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, even in one or one or two of the losses, I guess you could say game six or seven, they deserve to win that. And they, you know, got the short end of the stick, but yeah, that's a, that's, that actually is a very good point. You need, uh, you need a little bit of that, Shooting luck, I suppose exactly. you could call it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Samsonov dialed in. I, I would say the top line played well. Yeah. Fair I enough. think I would I would lump them in together. Uh, like just looking at the numbers here, uh, the Leafs at five on five in this game expected goals for, which is essentially chance chance quality. We'll call it uh, as a summary. They were at thirty three point seven nine percent, three point three seven goals expected goals against. 1.72 expected goals for, and that's at five on five. The top line in this game, Austin Matthews, 75.24%. Mitch Marner, 59.06%. Callie Yarncroft, 57.47%. They were the only three Toronto Maple Leaf players to be above 50% expected goals for. So that's why I would put them in there. Fair enough. Right? Fair enough. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um, and they got a goal too. Yeah, it was yeah. a very nice, very nice shift, very nice cycle uh, from the Leafs on that one, uh, especially from Austin Matthews. I posted it on Twitter. He did three or four things well, and then someone actually commented and said, "Hey, like, look at Luke Shen on this play too." I mean, when you watch the plays, Austin Matthews gets a point shot. He recovers the rebound. He puts it around the net. Perbix gets it. He lays the body on Perbix. He's able to get the puck back. Mitch Marner finds Luke Shen, who uh, pinched in the D zone, made a good or in the O zone made a good pinch to get into a high danger area, took a shot. It was blocked. He recovers it, patience, dishes it off to Yarncroc, And then we saw the point shot from there and Austin Matthews got the tip, but there was like three or four nice th- plays from Austin Matthews on that play. And, you know, the rest of the line also supported it too and ended up in the back of the net. Yeah. And I, I the only reason why I say those things about why well, I felt like Nyes and Shen were like our two best players out there, other than, like I didn't mention the first lines. I was, I just did a quick look at the, uh, individual individual event maps for both Matthews, uh, Yarn Crook, and Marner. They mm-hmm. have they must have had like Austin Matthews alone had like five shots in the slot blocked. Uh, Marner had like three in the slot blocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like maybe that's that's kind of what what I was seeing on the ice is that Tampa was just willing to get the body in front and, and shots weren't going through. So maybe that's why it felt a little yeah. bit like uh, that line didn't play as well as I I I, I thought they played uh, or. Why they they played? Sorry, excuse me. Other way around. Why they played better than I thought they played? No, that is true. There was a lot of they had trouble at times getting the puck on net, but the whole Leafs team did. I just say like <clears throat> I think that the expected. Look at the sound of that voice. That must sound <laughs> lovely right now. <clears throat> I think that they they were the only line, like only line that actually stuck stuck together. Well, actually, no, everyone got blended on at one point. Nice ended up on that line, but. I think they were the only line generating chances. Like the 
the Leafs really struggled from lines two to four, or actually outside of Matthews and Marner. Everyone struggled to get chances and even get shots on net at points. Um, and they ended up hemmed in their own zone for long, long periods of time, especially like the Riley Shen pairing got hemmed four times in like their, their twice in their first two shifts of the second period, a few times in the third period as well, like for long, long periods. And then it resulted in, I believe, penalties being taken. Um, but yeah, not a lot of players played very well in this one, but you know what? The most important one was the goalie played well. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, very nice effort from him. But yeah, in terms of the rest of the game, this game was kind of a shit show. Um, like, I don't understand. Like, it, it, they, they got a power play from it, which was good. I thought they should have got a five on three from it. But that scrum with the Braden Point situation was a complete joke. Um, they did get, I mean, you could blame the refing. You could say the refing stunk. Oh, the refs are out to get us. But there was a disallowed goal from Tampa in this one, on Tampa's end in this one, right? Yeah, and it's not. I don't think. I, uh, listen, that was just a bad scenario because I don't think the refs wrote to get us. It's just like it kind of sets a poor precedent, right? Like if 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 you get a penalty and uh, if you if your team gets a penalty, right? Which Tampa Bay was co- coming away with the penalty there because I don't know in in the replay and I even live. I I didn't think that was a bad play by Morgan Riley at all. Like no, it wasn't. It so wasn't. It, it, point like it was a it was a battle. Point fell and he fell directly into the boards. And if you and in the replay, it's clear Morgan Riley does his best when going into the boards to do as much as possible to avoid contact with point because he's falling. Right? Morgan Riley could have just been ignorant to that situation and just kind of went into went into point along the boards. But he yeah. made a very clear effort to avoid him going into the boards, which was good, good, good on Morgan Riley because that's yeah. Listen, you and don't, is you don't it want a to hurt a player like that. Yeah. Is it a coincidence? Point went down. He started to skate to the bench. He went down. He was in all sorts of pain and he went to the dressing room but he came back like one minute later yeah like i don't know that 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 does not seem like a coincidence to me especially with this tampa bay team they know exactly what they're doing every single little stupid comment after the game from john cooper and comment from steven stamkos on god knows what about everyone's out to get them like that that seemed very calculated once i saw him go down i was just like that's calculated Mm -hmm. and you know what he came back into the game he might be injured but at this point, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, everything they do is so calculated. Absolutely, and and I also I noticed like I don't know maybe he was like holding his stomach. It looks like maybe he like the stick got caught up and he just got it in like the gut. You know, and I don't know if you, like his rib area. Yeah, yeah, know. and like a- anyways, um, I'm just more bothered at the fact of the precedent that it sends. It says, hey, like if a penalty is called on the ice, and I'm a, I'm an opposing team play, I'm I'm on the other team and my team, my team has a penalty. I'm going to go find their best player and I'm going to punch them until they try and fight back. I'm going to continuously hit them until they are forced to fight me. And then they will not be able to play for this power play. That's the problem. Like, like didn't Jake McCabe get a penalty from, yes, it was a scrum in front and he took a punch and then they went head flung back and he got a penalty from that. Like if that's the precedence you're setting, there should have been four penalties on Tampa Bay in that situation. But to complain about the refing is just such a moot point at this point. Like it's not going to be consistent. It's not going to because from game to game, especially because it's different officiating crews every single game. Um, Yeah. There's such a human element in refing that, you know, it's, it's tough to like, 
nothing's black and white on the ice it, and it's tough to call it the same as what another officiating crew is. It's exactly. unfortunate, but I don't but, think the refs got hosed. Uh, the Leafs got hosed no. in any way by the refs in this game. And and they, listen, they turned, they, they turned around the penalty. They originally called it a five. They were wrong for doing that and they reviewed it and they got it right. So yeah. that's good. There's positives here. But again, like I just don't like the, the idea that like you, you just can't let listen for the product on the ice. This what what Steven Stamkos did should never be allowed to happen. I'm sorry, that should just not be allowed that to happen. Stupid. It's tough. What about but, what Kucherov did? Yeah, Kucherov j- jumped Morgan Riley, got two minutes, and then Morgan Riley also got an offsetting. I don't know for what, but um, then Morgan Riley after Stamkos and Matthews are going at it, he jumps O'Reilly and O'Reilly gets five for fighting. I didn't get that mm-hmm. one either, but I, I get it. It's hard for the rest to figure it out and like to see in the moment. Yeah. So, but um. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Last Listen. point about the refing: that goal was a disallowed goal because like it it was a lot of people are arguing it was on its way in. It was not. It was sitting on the pad, underneath yeah. the pad, and he it, went and poked it, and then it went in. Like there's, I don't know, <laughs> it was not going in. It was not going in on its own. Uh, but anyways, let's get into something else other than the refing. Literally yeah. anything um, else. Well, after that. Uh, I like just general vibes after the uh, refing situation. I was like, man, I, I that power up. play, power play. Yeah. Like I was hyped up, but then man, power play didn't go well. I yeah. had like a long stretch when Matthews was Matthews and O'Reilly were supposed to come back and they, there was just no whistle for like almost three or four extra minutes. So it's almost yeah. like they got a 10 minute misconduct. Cause like, not like, like just, just cause of like the, the flow of the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, I was getting worried, but then, Talk about Ryan O'Reilly pulling it out of the fire and William Nylander, who I thought didn't have a great game at all, um, no. setting setting up Ryan O'Reilly for that goal. Yes, on the six on five there, that was. Yeah. I mean, that's another. That's the second six on five goal in this period in in this series, which is kind of crazy to think about. But I mean, yeah, in terms of William Nylander's game, this one like would have been a little bit. Like on the first goal, I didn't really like his effort there, uh, but also Morgan Riley is to blame on that one too. I don't know what he, he was in no man's land there. Um, but the credit that I will give William Nylander in this game is that he was one of the few Leafs that were shooting. The Leafs got like zero shots on net in this, like not like zero shot, shots on net. Let's actually take a look. They got 21 shots on net at five on five and William Nylander accounted for four of them. So that's not bad. And in all situations, he had seven shots on goal. Yeah. And what on they all... weren't the greatest quality. Like, I don't expect many of those to go in. It was just like walk in, like gain the zone, take a shot. But, you know, that is one of the positives from what he was doing. He was shooting. He was getting the puck on net, unlike a lot of other players on this team. Like, when you look at it, Nylander at all situations had seven shots on goal. Matthews, Austin Matthews had five. The Leafs as a whole had 27, right? Yeah. So 12 of those 27 shots coming from two players over four periods. Yeah, and right? and one and the Leafs had a total, according to Money Puck, Leafs had a total of 2.96 expected goals. Nylander had 30, 36% of those at 1.08 expected goals. And I, I didn't really feel like it watching in the game, but... Like thinking back, they weren't the most dangerous shots. Yeah, but it wasn't like he was getting. There wasn't any pre-shot movement to them. It was walk in to be in front of you, take a shot. But it's like in a game where you're struggling to generate any sort of offense or any sort of shots. Like it's like okay, it's it's something. But I wouldn't say he had a good game. No, 
Yeah, yeah. And uh right. Yeah, no, here yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But um yeah, just I I, I, I wanna maybe touch on this stylistically. I think maybe the choice, because I, I, I I'm gonna see if you if you kind of notice the same thing that I was noticing here. Um did you notice that the Leafs were like dumping the puck in a lot? Like and I know yes. we talked about this, like like a lot more than usual. I think that maybe yes, it was ridiculous. Like I don't even have to like listen, they dumped the puck in a crazy, ridiculous amount. And it was the same way every single time. Chip it into the corner, and they lost so many puck battles that they weren't able to get any sort of sort of like offensive flow going. There was zero flow to this game. There were not many cycles either. The big thing, like also on top of that, they couldn't break the puck out. Mm-hmm. I saw at least five or six plays where it was like, Puck possessions in the defensive zone, uninterrupted puck possessions in the defensive zone where they clearly had possession, nobody on them, and they could not break the puck out. And it wasn't just, oh, oh, Justin Hole, that's his specialty there. It was all of them. Every single defenseman on this team struggled to get the puck out. Forwards also struggled to get the puck out. And guess what? Forwards were also struggling to win puck battles in the offensive zone. But not carrying the puck in was very strange. I don't know if maybe it was the ice... Or I, I think it was strategy that was like, tactical on Keith's part. I think that's what yeah. it was. So that, that could have been it too. They could have been trying to oh, chip the puck in Victor Hedman's on one leg. They have Nick Perbix there and Raj back there. Like you're going to be able to win some battle. Even Zach Bogosian's not the fleetest of foot. You can beat him there, but you didn't. So there you, that's one thing to look forward to in game four that we're going to get into later. Like, how are they going to approach the entry and exit strategy? Because it did not work in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think, listen, before the game started, I wanted them to play like that. I wanted them to yeah. dump the puck in. I wanted them to be last series. I wanted them to be hammering, uh, their D on the four check. Cause again, you look at their right side, Prebix, like you said, Radish, Bogosian, those guys are not like elite puck movers. They're not <laughs> say that right not, side one more time. <laughs> Bogosian, Radish and Prebix. Holy <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, it's crazy. Bogosian was the only regular NHLer last year. <laughs> right? Like, like those guys have cr- like 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 their top top four right-handed defensemen or top four right D. Like how many combined NHL games do they have? Like under 200 maybe? Like <laughs> not not like it's it's Zach Bogosian like Prebix and Darren Radish are brand new to the NHL. Hmm. So like exactly. They they're very green. So I, I understand the logic behind it, but it seemed to me at a certain point Tampa picked up on this and was almost in the in the neutral zone their d were almost had one d almost cheating back to like in anticipation of the dump to like mm-hmm. be first to the puck and quicker with it instead of instead of turning it into a 50-50 battle it looked like the weak side d would kind of peel back and and uh like cheat essentially into the, their own defensive zone i don't know if that's cheating but you you know what I'm trying to say. Instead of worrying more about prepared. holding the line, yeah. Instead of worrying more about holding the line, they would dump the puck. Like they would they would uh, focus on retrieving the dump in. So maybe next game, if if they uh, if, if there's have... no Eric Cernak, I mean, like, kind of got to f- try to force more entries, like controlled exactly. entries, like that. Yeah, yeah. And if they're gonna cheat back there and like give you opportunities to get the zone, you got to be taking those. Like I I I it felt like all game until like maybe overtime. We didn't really see a classic William Nylander transition from his own zone all the way into the other team's zone. And he, like, I don't even think we saw one in overtime. We saw one that all they almost got in with the controlled entry, but just 
wasn't happening. And I wish, I wish there was like controlled entry and exit data widely available. Cause it'd be really cool to see what, um, and maybe, maybe I'll try and tweet at like Megan Chica and see if she'll respond. Cause I think she does some of that stuff, but yeah, they, uh, Stathletes, her company does do a lot of micro data. I think she does. They do have like data on chances off the rush. Uh, they have data on pretty much everything within a game. She has given out some content and some uh, statistics, statistics. I don't know why I said it like that, but I did <laughs> on this series. Uh, Cam Sharon did do it every game, almost every game um, in before. I mean, I think he has something out now. I'll try if it's okay. Yeah, but that is something I would definitely like to see as well, right? Yeah. It's, it's because it was very, very noticeable. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, that's and that's maybe like something to look ahead to game four, what the team can do tactically to kind of have a better game. Because I, I don't think it's pretty obvious. Like, listen, we they they beat us at five on five. They outplayed the the bleep out of us. They played the shit out of us. It was like pretty obvious to see. Um, and yeah, like I like credit to where, where credit is due. Like that first line of Stamkos, uh, uh, Kucherov and point. I felt like they've been kind of invisible the first two games. Um, I'm not sure. five on five, especially. Yes, yes, yes. Like all this on the power plate. Those guys are elite. Like those guys are studs and they scored like, I don't know how many goals in the first game on the power play. But if you take them off the power play, they were almost like not like they were zeros for Tampa. They were doing nothing for them. Uh, and this game, they, man, they were, they were freaking going, they were going. It's almost like, like I, I wouldn't doubt that Cooper maybe sat them down, had a chat with them saying like, you guys are literally giving us nothing. You got to give us more. And they did like, there was one play in overtime that I'm thinking about right now where, I think it was Kucherov had the puck in the slot in front of the net backhand and Samsonov like, thank God we had Samsonov because I thought I thought it was over there. I'm like, Kucherov has the puck in the slot. We're done. We're finished. Samsonov yeah. was able to make the save though and, and keep us alive. Off the backhand, that. right? Yeah, yeah. Off that the was backhand. a beautiful save. Yeah. Time and space, Nikita Kucherov in the front of the net and he was able to come up huge there. That was just made some so many timely and clutch saves in this one because it was a tight game all the way through. So yeah. credit to Samson. I cannot say enough good things about uh, Ilya Samsonov in this one, mm-hmm. but yeah. So kind of felt like a disjointed effort from the least in this one. We explained why entries exits were a total mess. Um, I think we, I, I think you have to see some sort of a strategy change in game four, be kind of ridiculous. If, especially if Eric Cernak's not in that you just continue to dump the puck in uh, at the rate that they did. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, I don't know if you want, I don't know if you have any other comments about this game or if you want to just switch over to game four, but there's one thing I do want to touch on this game. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I, I just, again, I feel like we've been hammering Sheldon Keefe a lot and some of it's deserved, but I think this is like a, I think, I think what he did towards about halfway through the game, I think he really messed up our flow and, and messed like brought out the blender again. And mm-hmm. I think, I think that was a direct contributor to the third goal. Um, I saw on air that the broadcast is like trying to pin that third goal on Nyes. I don't get that. I don't think that third goal was Nyes' fault. But I think having William Nylander, Matthew Nyes, and John Tavares on a line just simply does not work. It was a pretty good play by Darren Radish, too. It was a great play. Brought it all the way around. Matt Nyes drove him into the corner, and then Jake McCabe took him, right? He absorbed that hit. 
which like I'll get into later. He absorbs the hit. And then like, when you watch that route from him, instead of continuing up along the boards, makes like a quick turn almost in and goes, makes a beeline almost for the faceoff circle. And then is able to get himself into a really good scoring area and puts the puck placement on that was fantastic. And mm-hmm. it was through a screen. You can tell Samsonov like had Brody come through his line of sight and then Jake McCabe was kind of blocking it as well. And Darren Radish roofed it on him. That was a really nice play by Darren Radish. I've got to say who he played 30 minutes in this game and he had a higher expected goals for percentage than Mikhail Sergachev. Like something small to note there, but yeah. on that second goal there, you can see Matt Nyes drives him into the corner. I thought that was the right play from him after 100%. that. And then Jake McCabe takes him along the boards. He throws the body on that one. But unfortunately, it kind of leads to him getting out of position a bit. And he's behind Radish on that point. I mean, it's a good absorption from Radish. Maybe not the best strategical play from uh, Jake McCabe to just take the body. Maybe I, I like as hard as you can kind of thing. I thought he was trying to like just knock him over and it didn't work out. And then he ended up a step behind him. And then Radish ended up in the scoring area there. So I th- think if you were to lay blame, it would mainly more so be on Jake McCabe, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I think, yes, it was Jake McCabe's fault, but I just think that line as a whole is just similar to the bunting Tavares' Nylander line where it just doesn't work. Like, I don't think it makes sense as a line defensively. And I listen, I was on I was on live last night with Zach, and literally at the faceoff, we, we were both talking on Leafs Digest, and, and we said, like, why is this line out? Like, we know that they're defensively deficient and as we were saying the word deficient they scored it was like it's like wow we saw that like how how, like how how did how do we see how do we how are we able to see that and Sheldon Keefe is not and I mean like listen I I understand why Nice is playing well so yeah sure you want to give him a promotion so maybe you bump up to the second line but bump up to the first line instead like bump him up to a line that's a little bit more responsible uh it it went especially when Nice is like biggest flaw in his game that you pointed out on Twitter when you when we first did the um when Nice first came over to the Leafs was his one of his biggest deficiencies is that he mishandles the puck in our own zone and he's not good at breaking out right like how 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 does that gonna help no, he us? is good at breaking out but there are many times like the, and I'm talking I'm referring to the data I think it was Lassie Allenen on Twitter who tracked it and said Matthew Nice's exit percentage in the NCAA was terrific, but in transition, accept, uh, I want to call it accepting the puck is a little bit tough at times. Um, and we saw this like four or five times between two games. It was the Rangers game, and the Tampa Bay game. Um, so I wouldn't say it's, he's bad on exits per se, but accepting passes in transition at high speeds, I would say is a, a bit of a tough go for him, but I, I do see what you mean. Um, so what would be your ideal lines? So it's just like, leave the lines as they were. It was working. Like the third line looked good. The third line got a goal. Right. And and I, I think, I think part of the reason why Sheldon Keith maybe did this is because he felt like that top line of Stamkos points, Kucherov, uh, Kucherov were, were rolling. And mm-hmm. I think I think what he tried to do was put together Kerfoot O'Reilly Nyes and try and match that line with but like you have you you don't have the you don't have last change. You can't match them. How are you gonna match them? Why are you forcing that? Um so listen, I, I, I'm okay with it if it if it's like defensive zone draws, O'Reilly, Kerfoot, and Achari are out there, and then quick 
like pucks out quick change for nice. Right. Like I'm okay with mm-hmm. that, but I, I don't, I, I don't think that he should have done that. And I think honestly, that's like a direct contributor to that goal. Yeah. There was a couple weird shifts here and there. The blender was out in full force last night. Um, I do want to say the fourth line. I saw someone say, oh, oh I, Bunting's played himself out of the lineup. Where is he going to slot in? Sam Lafferty and Zach Aston Reese had a, were both below 3% expected goals for. Yeah, they were they not just good. generated <laughs> nothing. There was a couple of shifts where I was like, oh, our fourth line against their first line, we were able to neutralize them, get the puck out, get a change. Okay, awesome. But when you just do nothing offensively, as I've said before, and you actually give up chances against, you're a negative. You're a total negative uh, on the ice there. So it's like, I don't know, Sam Lafferty got a good look in overtime like, and just did nothing with it. And then obviously Puck ended up out of our own end. Actually, the Leafs in overtime as a whole had, I want to say, four Puck possessions in the scoring area. And it resulted in a grand total of zero shot attempts. That was crazy to me. So that's why yeah. they showed the graphic. It was like, oh, shot attempts are like 10 to nothing. It's like, well, yeah, we're not shooting the puck. We're just <laughs> willingly getting into scoring areas and trying to deke out nine different Tampa Bay Lightning players. I think it was. And the funny thing was, it was like one of them for sure was Justin Hall. One of them for sure was Sam Lafferty, which if you're one of those two guys, you're not a goal scorer by any stretch of the imagination. Why aren't you just firing that puck? Yeah, honestly. And it goes back. Josh told, I don't know if he said it on the on an episode here, but I criticize Luke Shen because I'm like, oh, he takes too many shots in the offensive zone. He's a little inefficient. It's like, well, yeah, we have a bunch of guys that at times just are choosing not to shoot for some godforsaken reason. Sometimes you need just that guy where it's big, dumb, put the stick all the way to the rafters and just fire it on net. Cause sometimes that works, right? Yeah, exactly. Cause like, and, and uh, there's a play from game two that I'm thinking of that's sticking out of my mind where Justin Hall has the puck on the point and he can make a pass, create a play on the, on the net uh, with, with the first line out there with Matthews, Marner and yarn crook. And what he does is he skates it up the wall and almost to like, try and I guess, try and drive the net, but he just skates it up the wall and just dead ends the puck. And it just, yeah. it's great. a turnover. It's like, I'd rather you just fi- close your eyes and literally Something. just fire fire it from the point and hope it <laughs> hits the net because it's the same thing as turning over the puck anyways. At least then we would have maybe a chance at a 50-50 battle. Yeah. Like, it's just, uh, yeah. So we, Justin Hall drew a penalty. Yeah, two, two, drew two penalties. <laughs> oh, yeah. He drew two penalties. There was the one, on, there was the yeah. one that I'm remembering. He uh, he drove the net pretty well. And then, what was the other one again? Oh, the trip. Trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Braden Point got uh, got his blade on his uh, on his skates there. Wow, a little, little soft, but yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> he looked no. like kind of topic there, I think. But no, he got the he got the blade directly on top of the skates, and then yeah. he fell over. I mean, I wouldn't I'm not going to interpret the physics of it. And how yeah, it actually yeah. works to me. I saw a skate. I saw a blade. It went in the skates, and he fell over. So that's going to be a penalty every day of the week. Um, I mean, we've we've talked. For I don't know how long right now. Thirty minutes. We have not focused in on Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, I think he's been tremendous. So now yeah. that is he had two points in this game. He had the assist on the first goal. He had the goal. No, three points in this game. He had a secondary assist. Pretty nice play in the neutral zone on the first goal. The 
game tying, he had the game tying goal, which right in front of the net, that's why we brought him in. I absolutely love that addition that what he brings to the front of the net in the offensive zone. And then he had the face off win in overtime uh, on the Morgan Riley goal as well. That's a three point night. I understand the, the underlying numbers were garbage. They were garbage for a lot of different leaves, but when you're contributing three points like that, I can kind of look past the ugly expected goals for percentage. Mm-hmm. But one thing I was noticing, I was like, I was saying to people, I'm like, okay, we got Tampa Bay. We had Tampa Bay on the ropes a couple of times. We had a good matchup where it was their fourth line out there and they iced the puck. I think that happened three times. I want to say. Yeah. But anyways, um, I was like, damn, we need a face-off win in the offensive zone and then to be able to create something off that really quick. Um, and Mike Kelly has pointed it out. There's been a lot of goals in this, uh, in this, in these playoffs where it's a face-off win and then a goal within, I think eight seconds. And we saw it twice. And you mentioned it last episode uh, where the Leafs had two goals off of within seven seconds of a face-off win. Hadn't had anything really generated off the face-off in this game, I would say. And bang, we win an offensive zone draw off an icing. And Morgan, I believe it was an icing. but And then Morgan Riley fires it on net and it goes in. That was within five seconds, I think, even there. So huge face-off win. Um, I understand. And I'm going to quote, I'm going to paraphrase what Mike Kelly was saying. Face-offs are not the be-all, end-all. You're not putting in your Frederick Gauthier's anymore where it's, oh, he can win face-offs. And that's about it. However, it is a very good opportunity in the offensive zone, especially off of like icings where the other team's tired or off of uh, penalties on the first power play on the first drop of the puck of the power play. If you're winning those faceoffs and you're able to get a, a quick possession in the offensive zone and you're able to generate something quickly off that faceoff, you're going to have a higher likelihood of, it going in the net, right? Because think about it. It's um, you're winning that face off, and then you're able to run your set play in the offensive mm-hmm. zone. Yeah, and then you're able to kind of get the the defense guessing on what's going to happen there. You're going to try to get mismatches or switches, and trying to get someone creating space, right? So, yeah, and 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 like you said there, like the 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 set play. I I I have to watch the goal back, but we had a we we picked out our set play here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you want to hear what that is, you can go back and listen to the last episode and uh, find that. But um, yeah, like we have our own set play of, of what we would do uh, in the, off the draw in the offensive zone. And part of the reason why I think that goal happened was because instead of Morgan Riley taking it down the wall, like not like he was supposed to, I don't want to say like he was supposed to, because I'm sure there's like a, uh, like an, it's like an option, right? It's like either take it down the wall or shoot. Instead of doing what he did last game where he took it down the wall instead of John Tavares, he just shot mm-hmm. the puck and and shot the puck through a screen. And that's that's what eventually ended up with that, that won us the game, right? Um yeah. so yeah, yeah. Faceoffs are like again. What's kind of set though? If you watch William Nylander off the faceoff here, so he comes from the left wing position and pretty much goes straight up to the blue line to cover for Morgan Riley there because Morgan Riley's able to get that puck, right? Like watch his route. It's it's just he doesn't look for a pass from Riley. He's dead set. Just, okay, I'm going to the blue line. I'm covering for Morgan Riley there. And that is a good point that you made. Like Riley could have drove the net there, tried to get Ryan O'Reilly open or Matthew Nyes, who was in front of the net too. Instead, he had a bit of a lane, 
He saw Vasilevsky was searching through the screens and he fired it on that short side and it was, it was successful. One other thing, I mean, I have to give more than I these flowers. Now that's a four, four assist game in game two game winner in game three. Um, the reason that there was a face-off in the offensive zone, I think I said it was an icing. That's incorrect. It was a pretty nice play for Morgan Riley to jump up into the offense. He got a tip on net and Vasilevsky made a good save and then was able to cover the rebound. So that's why the off- the, the, the face-off occurred in the offensive zone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a great, those are all great points. And um, yeah, kudos, kudos to Morgan Riley. Listen, we've had, we've obviously said our things. Mm-hmm. Uh, about Morgan Riley on this podcast, and again, they're all. We, I, I still think we were right in saying those things. Like, listen, like he had, yeah. he had a terrible season. He's been brutal, but that's the beauty of the playoffs. Whatever, no matter what happens we still in the have season, Fulton goal one, like. exactly. Yeah, like, but uh, but that's but again, like, listen, playoffs. The regular season gets thrown out, right? Contracts don't really matter, right? You have your team, that's what it is, and you 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 yeah. go go from there. So he's been performing. He um... yeah. Yeah, over these past two games, he's come up big, especially on the score sheet there. So, yeah, shout out to Morgan Riley. Um, one other thing, I just, I'm just like, we talked so much about Morgan Riley. Like last year, we had it was Matthews, Tavares, Camp, and Jason Spezza were the four centers. Now you have Matthews, Tavares, Ryan O'Reilly, and David Camp is your fourth line center. What a night and day difference Ryan O'Reilly makes in terms of the offense. Like the strategy of just, oh, the third line's gonna be a black hole. Nothing. No, not offensive, but a very good defensive. Like, unless your name is like Phil Deneau, who actually does put up offense, it doesn't work. (laughs) Ryan O'Reilly is such a great addition to this team. I've really, really liked him in these playoffs. Especially his game two. Game two, he only had the one assist, but. I thought he was awesome. He generated a bunch of chances, uh, especially in tight, uh, off of tips in in the net front. Um, and then game game three tonight, three points in a four three win. Like, what a beast! The factor, <laughs> the factor. I like that. Yeah, he's a stud. He's been a stud for us. <laughs> he's been a stud for us. Uh, yeah, just man, what a difference he makes. It's just feels good. Feels good. Like, and man, that's why we were like pulling our hair out. Freaking uh, during the first game, like watching him, like why? Why was he? Why, was, why are we not going three centers deep? It just makes so much more sense. But so they did it, shorten the bench like later in the game, and like put two lines out. But it was they were literally just putting only those two lines yeah, out, which is what you need. Like what you have to do. Like if you don't have talent in your bottom half of the lineup, you can't play them. Yeah, it's not that hard. And you had last you had last change, too. And you just decide. I don't know what the decision was there, but whatever. That's behind us. Do you foresee? So let's look ahead to game four, actually. So we did mention already. We don't have to beat a dead horse. The strategy through the uh, exits and entries, like the neutral zone strategy, I suppose, there. We expect to see a big change in that. Um do you foresee any other changes in the Leafs lineup? I do not foresee any other changes in the Leafs lineup. I don't think that any defensemen have played themselves out of the lineup. I'm only going to say this just because, I don't know. I, I just don't think Sam Lafferty has played well enough. I could, could I, I'm going to put it like a 30% chance that we go, no, I'm going to go lower, like 20% chance that we go 11 and 7 and pull out one of our forwards. 
Um, but I doubt that happens again, like 20% yeah. chance, very, very low likelihood. Um, right, would you like 11 and seven? No, I would not, but no, I don't think I'm just, uh, trying to think of what Sheldon Keith would do. Um, but yeah, he did I, have, he did have Simmons and Logan take warm ups, but I think that was an attempt at head games, which it's like, all right, sure. <laughs> yeah. Kind of thing. Um, for game four as well. I mean, the Leafs had three power plays in this one. I think the total time of the power plays was three minutes or so, or four minutes, four minutes on three power plays. It felt disjointed. The power play was not very good in this one, but like you didn't get a full six minutes. So I guess you can make that sort of excuse, mm-hmm. whatever. So, and it was good through the first two games. So not a huge concern to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll see. Is Eric Cernak back in? This is the last game of suspension for Michael Bunting. I mean, again, I don't think that many players on the Leafs played that well. Like, I don't know how you can just sit there and go, oh, yeah, take Michael Bunting out because, or keep Michael Bunting out because not enough players played well in this one. Maybe game four, everyone, they hammer them 10 to two. It's a different story. And yeah. Then, and then that's, and like Sam Lafferty gets a hat trick. Then that's a different story where it's like, who are you pulling out here? But after this game, it's like, who the hell are you pulling out? Or yeah. like, how, like, just pick one. Not that many guys played that well. Yeah. 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 Very true. Just one thing needs to be set in stone. And that's our, to- I think our top match, just regardless of Bunting coming in or not, they need to stay the same. And if Bunting comes in, I don't think. I think he should. He'll be on the fourth line. I don't think that there's. Uh, yeah, I, I, if they're going to keep Tavares Nylander together, I can't see him on that, on that line. I mean, we've only seen one example of it, but didn't instill too much confidence in me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they keep Kerfoot there, uh, and then the third line. I don't know. Maybe they put him third line with uh, with Nice and O'Reilly. Maybe I would say and drop Achari down. I don't know, but yeah, I, I could see a fourth line. Yeah, maybe Keith sends a message and scratches him. I mean, maybe, but I, I don't well, think that's the best strategy. Here's the thing, though: like you know, he's going to get hunted. You know that like players are going to try and go after him. You know that he's going to be lippy. Like if I I was thinking maybe you can if he draws in, yeah, you just have to sit him down, play him on the fourth line, and say, hey, listen, if you say one word to the official, if you get a penalty. You're sitting for the rest of the game. So we say he he's going to be lippy. What then? What do we call what Stamkos was? I don't know. (laughs) Screaming at the ref and then just grabs someone and starts beating them in front of the ref. That was that was the craziest sequence I've ever seen in a hockey game. How do you go from yelling at the ref to trying to fight someone that wasn't even involved? It wasn't looking at you. Yeah. It was like was... He, the funniest part was Matthews was like just carrying O'Reilly, O'Reilly stick to the bench. Like, yeah, <laughs> he, he had two sticks, sticks three sticks in his hand. Like, and they just get the job. Like, all right. Like, and then he fights them. Like, yeah. it, it's from a playoff, like just a, a a barbarian hockey fan kind of perspective to see Matthews get into a little tussle there was uh, was a little bit fun. No, no injuries, so it makes it even like it's that's that's what makes it fun, but. Yeah, he was carrying sticks, and then he, all of a sudden he gets jumped like that. I did see. I saw someone. They were they were like with Michael Bunting. They're like, oh, when Brad Marchand and Steven Stamkos they just make a sarcastic remark to the a wise ass remark to the refs, and then they go to the box and they don't say anything. 
Like, all right. Like, I have to bring that up because it sticks in my head so much. That is the least true thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And to, if to, if last night didn't put an emphasis on how untrue that is, I don't know if you're maybe turning around and facing the wrong way during games, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, there's, I've, I've said, I've said my piece about the, that game or the officials that game. So the Tampa Bay piss babies, my God, there was one, there was a bunch of funny clips that came out that were not related to gameplay in this one. Um, I mean, the cutting to Tanner Janot every other second, it's like, <laughs> that was really weird. It's like, just him yelling at everyone, like, as if Tanner Janot has the most amount of clout in this in this game. Like, how many yeah. playoff games does this guy have? Four? What? Yeah, probably four around there. I would, like, if you show Pat Maroon, that's where it's like, okay, like, that guy doesn't play that much, doesn't score that much, but... That's Pat Maroon has three Stanley. Yeah. Pat Maroon has three Stanley Cups and has been to the last four Stanley Cup finals. Like, you can show him saying whatever. Like Tanner Janot, it was like that guy wouldn't shut up, and it's like, all right, whatever. But there was one really funny play. I'll try to find it. But Tanner, uh, Luke Shen called Pat Maroon irrelevant, and just the, and then they cut to the Tampa Bay bench and Brent Hagel's reaction to Luke Shen calling him to calling Luke Shen calling. Pat Maroon irrelevant was maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> just his face dropped. He's like, he's irrelevant. <laughs> Which I mean, Luke Shed's playing a bigger role than Pat Maroon, but is that the greatest brag? Like, yeah, we got we got Luke Shen playing in our top six. Yeah. Probably okay. not. Yeah. But lots of kind of funny things. If, if yeah. you're like an impartial viewer of this series this series just has to oh, be bananas fun yeah, you're loving it you're loving it. if you're not a fan you're loving it. like just like I, this is the entire yeah uh I, yeah the entire like the entire playoffs has been like this like if you're just a, if exactly. you're like if you if you your team got bounced like if you're like an Ottawa fan like you're loving these playoffs they're like yeah they're amazing like they're so fun to watch yesterday the three three games went to ot like come on like that's just oh, beautiful just not awesome. one series will be a sweep too yeah, that's awesome. that's that's stuff you really like to see. I discussed that with Sam Cause. The NHL loves this format because it creates like so much competition in the first round, and you're not getting, you know, a 120 point team playing an 85 point team. Like it's a it's much more competitive. It mm-hmm. seems like so that's where the NHL loves it. More gate revenue, more eyes on it. Right. Um, one other funny thing that I want to point out. Um, I don't know if you caught it. There was a Leafs player. I think it was in overtime or the third period. A Leafs player got tripped, and it was like a clear trip. It was like, what the hell was that? Like, brutal missed call there. And then in the Leafs end, they tripped a Tampa player. Like, yeah. clear as day tripped a Tampa player, and they just didn't call that one either. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a little gamesmanship po- by the ref. both like, ways, yeah. <laughs> Makeup call. Yeah. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> but... Yeah. Anyways, any other notes on this game? Nope. All right. We'll see how Vasilevsky bounces back. We all know his record after a loss. And, you know, we got to him in that. The Leafs got to him in that game, which was incredible to see. I don't know if there's an actual sample size of what Vasilevsky looks like in the playoffs after two losses. I literally don't think there's any sample size of that. I think it's just a sweep. Well, like that's before, you know. That's before. I wouldn't even count that. Okay, okay. (laughs) Because it's like, oh, if you include that fourth season. I mean, we have three 
playoff runs yeah. of sample size where he bounces back after a loss. And now I think only the Colorado series, but that's like a one game sample size. So we don't, yeah. we don't know, but yeah, I don't know. we'll see how T- uh, Vasilevsky bounces back. We'll see how the Leafs bounce back. And I mean, they got the, I don't want to say they got the first goal in this game. Correct. Yes. They Leafs. Did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The Achari goal was the first goal in this one came out competitive. I mean, like, I hate to stir up bad memories, but game four, you had a 2-1 lead last year, and you came out beyond shit. I can't even pick which type of shit. Bullshit, dog shit, dog water, like diarrhea shit. Sorry for saying shit so many times. But they came out so shit in game four, in a, in a game where you could have put, you could have had the chokehold in the series. It was embarrassing. So this game four, within the first two minutes, I would say, could determine what kind of Leafs we'll see and, you know, what kind of uh, result we're going to get, right? Yeah, yeah. That was such a cliche answer. We we need to pick up the dub here, obviously, but yeah. We need a good effort. Yeah. Like, plain and simple, I haven't seen too many, like, solid games in which, you know, you were up. Actually, that's that, I'm just making shit up right now. <laughs> All right, I think. Anyways, I think yeah. I think to summarize my thoughts and my feelings and why I'm making so much shit up right now is that Game Four last year was just so gosh darn bad that it's stirring up all these bad memories that we're up two one, yeah. right? Yeah. So hopefully they can put together something good in Game Four. I have confidence that they will. I think they can do it. Yeah. But anything else on this game? That's it. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Go, Lisa, go.